Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. guys and welcome back to another episode of the jason tales outdoor podcast brought to you by wild edge inc if you're new to this show if you're new to this show this podcast orients around the hunt the experiences that come with it and all the stories and and, and knowledge that that we obtain and and we remember over the years and we, we hope to share that with you in hopes that it inspires you to get after your own outdoor dreams and your outdoor passions and, and just go a little harder on this week we're doing something totally different we are doing a semi-live hunt. Preston and Jack from the DIY Hunter. Preston's been on the show many times, so I know you know who he is. They are, recorded this podcast on the way to Idaho to chase elk. They're going to be out there for, uh, I think, 14 days, I, I believe, somewhere in that range. I think it probably depends on how successful the hunt is and the weather. But they're going to be out there for a long period of time. And as they come back to camp every so many days, they're going to call. We're going to do an update, and we're going to tell you how their hunt is going. It'll be kind of semi-live, like I said. So this episode lays the foundation for that. It explains why Idaho. We touch on some on some technical questions there as to what gear they packed, uh, the, the strategy that went into it. Um, it it's just a real laid-back, casual uh, conversation that just sets the, fr- the, the framework for this experience. I'm excited for it. I think it's going to be an awesome thing. I don't know if this has ever been done before, a semi-live podcast for a, a DIY hunt out west. So that, I think this is going to be a cool thing. But before I let y'all get to the podcast, we need to thank our title sponsor, Wild Edge Inc. Guys, it's deer season. That means it's time to be climbing trees. It means it's time to be to be 20, 25 feet up in a variety of different trees. And if you're looking for the simplest, easiest way to climb your tree this fall, Check out the Wild Edge system, www.wildedgeinc.com, and use the promo code ChasingTales10. That's ChasingTales, T-A-L-E-S, one zero to save $15 off of any set of steps. Now on to the show. Guys, on the line, I have got some old friends and a new friend. Just met them literally uh, two hours ago over the phone. Uh, the DIY hunters are back. Preston and, and his colleague Jack are on the phone. What's up, gentlemen? How are you today? What's going on? Man, it is hotter than balls down here, and I'd much rather be in the in the in the back of that truck uh, headed west with y'all. Nice climate control, sunny day, <laughs> no big deal. It's pretty hot here, but we're looking to get cooler. Now, what's what's pretty hot? Like nineties? 
Yeah, we're hit, we're 88 in mid Nebraska right now. Righteous, yeah. righteous. We're, yeah, yeah, we're like north north central Nebraska. It's 88, but the humidity didn't feel like anything when we got out at all. Like zero humidity. Oh, I'm jealous. I don't I don't have that luxury here. I I woke up this morning and let the dog out at five. It was 78 degrees, and it felt like somebody was breathing in your face when you walked out. It's disgusting. It is. It's na- it's nasty. It's nasty. That's so. actually what. So that's what's in Pennsylvania and Delaware right now where we just left. I mean, it's been like this – your shirt is soaked as soon as you go outside, but we just got out to eat. It was 86, and, I mean, I was in jeans, and it doesn't even feel that hot. Well, lucky you. <laughs> yeah, it's nice. Dry air. That Midwestern dry air. Well, so what we're going to be doing uh, is something a little different. Uh, it's something we did kind of uh, – last year we, we kind of piloted this – with another buddy of mine who went west, he went out to Kansas to do a DIY uh, pu- uh, hunt there for whitetail, and y'all enjoyed it so much, and I got some good feedback. I got to talking to Preston, and I was like, hey man, I know you're going west, or maybe he approached me, I don't remember. The- Preston and I are always bouncing ideas off of each other. One way or another, we came up with the idea of chronicling his trip out west uh, to-, to hunt elk. And I think this is going to be pretty cool. The way we're going to break this up is uh, we're going to break it up in chunks. This is going to be the first installment. We're going to kind of go over where they're going, uh, why they went there. We're just going to hit a bunch of random topics that might help set the stage for what y'all can expect. And then periodically, we're going to drop episodes updating y'all as to uh, how the hunt went. And uh, I think it's going to be a blast. It's going to be kind of semi-live podcast a hunt. And I don't know if that's ever been done before. Well, and I think also, like, just so everybody listening, to be clear, like, you know, by no means are we even in the ballpark. We're not, like, absolute novices on hunting elk, but we are not even remotely, like, considered intermediate or pro by any means. So I think (laughs) to hear our game game plan and then followed up with, well, what changed? Why did it change? Why did we change it? And how did it unfold? I think is what me and you were talking about would be cool because I, I mean, I'm not sure that you ever get to be a pro at hunting elk. You can get very good, but be an Eastern guy is you're not around them 365. You're around them 10 days a year. Kind of tough. Yeah. I, I think kind of at best you're shooting for uh, like proficient or like efficient with your time. I think you kind of have to, to change how you look at, uh, a successful hunter. I think you could be like a, a pro from the East coast might be successful. I don't know, like what a third of the time. Whereas a guy that lives in Idaho, maybe he, you know, he's tagged out the first week. <laughs> I, like we, we've talked about that. We would even say less because there's like, there's a lot of like elk hunting circles that you commonly hear them say like eight very, very good opportunities. You'll fill one tag. And it's like, well, to get eight opportunities may take four hunts just to do. So right. we hear that from a, cu- a couple different circles. Like if you get eight good cracks at it and you'll fill one tag and like our last between us, three elk hunts, we've not had eight opportunities over three months. So like, it's tough. I mean, if you watch the social media, me and Jack are talking about it this morning. Like how many guys are you following right now? And you see like the caption, Nine days in the Colorado woods, and it was a great experience, <laughs> but we didn't get on any elk. Like, yeah. you see it all the time. And that's, I think, fortunately, we have a little bit more, we're very resourceful in terms of reaching out. So, 
we're hoping that's not an issue. It wasn't last time in terms of e-scouting and whatnot, but I think that's what you're going to get into a little bit. Um, we don't really, we're not really coming out here and enter any assumption that we are not going to get into elk. Like we're probably going to get into elk for sure. Now to shoot one's different area or a different story. Yeah, if you're listening to this right now and uh, some guy maybe last spring hit you up and was like, hey, I'm looking for tips and trips to, to hunt Idaho backcountry, uh, you're probably listening to the guy that's going to your honey hole right now. Um, <laughs> no, I kid. And, and, yeah. and guys, when they say that they're not pros, last year I think they almost ran out of water and died or some, like, catastrophe. So. Ah, what is what is called water? It was, it was, Water's dehydration. It was a long day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. We maybe we ought to save that for a separate podcast. Otherwise, we'll end up derailing the purpose of this one. But uh, let's set the stage for the listeners and kind of start to draw a picture of of, of where where you're going, kind of how you prepared for that. And and really, I'd like to know first why Idaho. So yeah, there's a lot of states. Um, I mean, coming. New to the podcast, I know you've spoken with Preston before. My name's Jack. Um, I kind of got invited to join DIY Hunter with Preston. Yeah, we have known each other twenty one years. Yeah, ago. I mean, had sent him a camera, but you know, we kept in contact as we were developing our professional careers, and as we we're finishing up our, our schooling and all that, we start to get a little more free time. We're doing more hunting. I was doing a little bit of filming, sending my camera, and he's just completely run away with this idea. And we started to get to the point where like, hey, you know, we're at the point in our lives where we get to go on trips or at least talk about it and plan for the future. Um, and these are ideas that we've wanted to kind of act upon. I, I can think of at least when I was like seven, eight, seeing my dad head out with his buddies. They'd go out to Montana, Colorado. I think he's done a trip to Idaho. And this is the stuff that I've dreamed about. Um, and I've spent way too many hours doing research and you try to fill your bucket with states where you can rotate through and have an expectation of drawing a tag, maybe get a premium tag in states like Arizona at some point or build up points in a state like Colorado. But states like Colorado, Idaho, not so much Montana this year, which is selling out now, um, you have an opportunity to go over the counter. And, and we didn't draw this year. And I think the general assumption you can look at is that with Colorado, they have more elk. Uh, but they also have more hunters. It's a more easily accessible state flying into Denver, driving. If we had been driving there, we'd shave like yeah, 10 hours off yeah, of like drive it, time. It, yeah, so like the mapping, if you figure, you know, 80% of license sales in the country are East Coast, you're cutting off almost a half a day plus to stop in Colorado. So you weed out, in our opinion, a crap load of East Coasters going all the way to northern western idaho because you're tacking on another full 12 to 15 hours so like when sitting down thinking that up you will watch a ton of people in colorado and all they did was see people and it's to us that's uninviting yeah. for a little bit extra work i'm i'm willing to see some less elk where idaho has a lower herd uh population if i can get away from more people like i'm i am out here to, to get it out but i'm out here for the experience like it's the whole experience is the reason you're traveling out here i hear you and, and that makes that makes good logic if you ask me i mean if you look at it from a standpoint of of how many people get vacation and how much vacation they get i think the average person gets what like two maybe three weeks of vacation 
and and uh, and of that time the vast majority of them have to at least spend a week of that during the holidays if if you tell a guy who's told if you tell an east coaster like hey you need x many days to hunt elk and they only have a week to allocate well they're probably going to try and find the closest place to them to to hit yeah 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 so that extra day of driving that that sounds like solid logic what about so you mentioned that they have a smaller elk population i think it's rather rather smaller what about the amount of public land does that change any Oh, Idaho. Idaho is basically it's like 80, state. It's like eighty something percent public land. Yeah, like almost literally the entire state is either to wildlife or uh, BLM. I mean, it's all public, and we're talking like group units. Like where we're headed this year is a group unit. So, like when we say that more than one unit that you can hunt in combination, and like we are literally looking at millions of acres. Like deciding which unit, millions. So you're going, okay, how many tags are there? Oh, I mean, like, well, I there was, exactly. I think there's 12,000 non resident tags in Idaho. Total, total for over the counter sales. Wow. And then there's like the millions of land, and we're going, well, let's just say every non resident tag in our unit that got sold heads to our area at the same time we're there, and we divide that for a rough number, 500 tags. And we still have two million acres. We're gonna have a good shot to not be near people yet. So that's a big, it's a big selling point for us in Idaho. No, that makes that makes good good solid sense. I'll be going to Colorado next year, uh, knowing all of that, but also because my uncle lives out there and he's been hunting them for about eight years now. So it's one of those things where. Uh, between him uh, gifting me a fair amount of gear to get me started uh, and also being able to to learn from someone who's been doing it for a while, that's worth uh, the idea of of maybe having to work a little harder to get away from the road and get away from people. But if I was in y'all's position, I think Idaho would probably be my target state as well. Well, and and also, it doesn't take away that the success rates in Colorado, there's plenty of guys go straight in there every year and tag. Yeah. We we have Colorado under – preference point usage every year in our rotation of what we've been planning for like eight years so for us to do an over-the-counter colorado followed up with a preference point on colorado we would rather be in alternating states because it doesn't make any sense for us to like go to something the same time twice in a row for no reason when we know we're going back automatically every three or four years and in every state i mean they both have their pros and cons you may run into more people next year in colorado but you're not going to have wolves shut down the elk herd and, yeah. and kill the bugling by yeah, like we had wolves stop us in idaho last year we had to move a completely new area like they're done they just shut them right up so it's there's plus and minuses but i think your main question was why idaho i think we kind of covered why and also, like our research, tag percentage fills, um, trophy, meaning like six-point bulls, bulls versus cow ratio of that herd. Like, is the herd a quarter of the size, but the cow to bull is, you know, every 40 cows is a bull instead of every 150, like something like that. So, I mean, this research, I was in graduate school, which was 2010. And we had these years already researching what we were going to start thinking about. So this is eight years later. Sweet. So this is this is a, a, a lengthy uh, trip in progress. Like he had spreadsheets when he was out of school working, and I was finishing school, which was like 2010-11. And we were already preference pointing sheets because we were possibly going to start using them in like 2015-14. But like. 
I started my own businesses, you know, and things got in the way and it went back a year or two, but like it was already happening. So that's, I almost feel I, we've been thinking about doing this stuff for a long time. And I encourage anybody listening. If you think, man, someday, if you're like 25 and working on your own business or you got a nine to five job and you get two weeks of vacation, but you're saying, man, someday when I'm 40, maybe I'll get to go on a trip like that. Like pick a state and get the bonus points now. Like, it's a little painful to pay $40, $50 every year or pay for a license fee in states like Arizona, Utah, Idaho that you're not going to use. But just like build some points and get yourself on board with a unit that's a little more premium. Because that's why I have a couple of buddies now that they see me doing trips these last couple of years. They're like, oh, I'll go with you guys next year. I'm like, sorry, man. No, I'm like, we've been buying points yeah. for four years. And I'm that's like, what when Cam goes to listen to this too. That's kind of like what we're going over with him where we just bought, he just bought a Wyoming preference point because like once we got done explaining it, we were like, you can't just saddle up. Like we're going to Wyoming next year with like 17 points between four of us. You can't just pony up or it completely fucks our entire group point. So like, it's not being a jerk about it. You just literally can't, it would wreck everyone's trip. So it's, we have this like four year cyclic thing. And honestly, by the time me and him were talking, he acquires all the gear and what we need. He's going to flop in almost right about when he'll be ready to like, you know, financially, family, mentally, and it'll, it'll flow right in perfectly. And then you're into the cycle. But the problem is we're not always doing over the counter like Bourne does because we would rather spend an extra 200 bucks every now and then and pull a really nice area away from people, which you don't have to do. We decide to do that. Like, you don't have to do that. But with our cycle, you've got to jump in and jump out. If you miss the loop, you're out of it for four to five years. If you're in it, you're in it the whole time. So it's, it's, we do it a little different. We're not straight just public land, but we're primarily public land. And even on like some of our draw units, like we're going to a draw unit with two points, but it's still public on land. You're just in, you waited two years instead of right over the counter. So we spent an extra 50 bucks. So it's like, it's not like it's a high rent, high fence ranch. It's public. We just needed two points. You know what I mean? Right, right. And Col- Colorado is one of the major states. Three, four, five points, you start getting into really awesome elk hunting, but the population can't just roll in there off the street, which is, to us, why we're going to hunt Colorado with points. Yeah, and that's another change I'm a, significantly for you, Walt. I don't know if you saw this year. Um, you got to keep kind of keep an ear to the to the I don't know keep an ear out for changes they're making. Colorado changed it this year. Instead of fronting tag money, you just pay for the point like ten dollars, and the non-resident application right through the they, like they increased thirty five percent. Their moose applications increased like nine hundred and eighty percent. So before we were paying like, like for Arizona, when we apply, we're paying like a grand just to try to draw the license, which keeps a lot of guys out. That's what Colorado did. And they now were like, just pay your $25 point. And everybody applied like 30,000 more people. And it's, which is going to, for anybody listening, point creep we've watched the last five years, meaning you needed three years points. Now you need four and five. It's going to happen in Colorado. It has to. There's no way it can't because everything's going to slide because they made it financially more fiscal for people to draw. Uh, as I say, that's the reason I love Idaho is it's fair to everybody. It's like an 
it's an even draw. No I don't bet even. They don't do any bullcrap monkeying around. I mean, hell, they don't even let you use lighted knocks. They're like old school. Buy a damn license and show up. Here's how many there are. Out the door later. And, like, Montana got real funky with their bonus points this year. And now Wyoming's creeping. And all the western states are, like, gearing up to just make more money. Permits to film. Permits to... And we're not bad enough in any of them. Because, honestly... They manage very awesome out there compared to some of our eastern states, so they do a great job. It's just like anything. There's curveballs, just stay ahead of them, or you can literally screw yourself out of years of going out to hunt. For us, the way we're doing it, that's 15 years for two of right. us hunting. Right. I'd, rather, I'd rather hunt every year because I just this year, after the experiences I've had the last few I may not have gotten an elk last year. I, I probably should have gotten an elk, but I took a lot away from that. And I feel like I'm grown. Like I'm feeling super confident going into this year. Yeah. Like I, I think I'm like, uh, we know what we're doing now. When I look back at it, we both should have tagged, but I'm like, I'm like, we did so many things, right. It was just the last piece. And we've grown so much in terms of what we're doing and knowing how to do it. When I look back the first time that I went out, I flew out to Colorado on my own. I couldn't get anybody to go with me. And I was like, I didn't have a clue what I was doing. It was basically just learning how to go backcountry camping with my bow. And like, when I look at where I was, which was awesome. Like I, I was out in Colorado. I was having a blast, but like this year, I, I'm, I'm super confident this year. I know, you know, it's public land. We're going to run into some other people. We may have some other kinks in the, in the road, but, you know, I, I'm, I was so excited about this year. I've been thinking about this all year long. This is the stuff that keeps me motivated. I well, think we kind of hit your why I made a why public just across the bigger board of states. Because I think it's relative to every state, really. And like like we said, like those other ones, there's not a lot of public. Idaho's all public. Colorado's all So, like, that's your prime area if you're just going to run and gun out. Utah, Arizona, Nevada, like, you're not just going there, like, we're going to hunt Nevada right twice in our life. We'll be dead. Like that's the only two times we can go. Cause it's like 18, 20 years. Right. We'll be freaking 65. So God willing, we can go twice. Right. Well, let's, let's, let's shift this to a different direction. You know, uh, Jack, you kind of helped set the stage there a little bit by mentioning that you feel like uh, this is kind of your year to turn the corner and, uh, you know, shoot the next state, the next state record uh, bull. So, yeah. That that said, this isn't your first elk hunt. This isn't the first time that you've been to Idaho. What are the expectations? Like, what would it take uh, coming away from this hunt to feel like it was a success? And to make this more complex, I don't want the, I'm just going to be happy to be out there. If we have fun, it's oh, great. We're not gonna give that. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> because, because that's. That has its own place, but realistically speaking, everybody goes out there with an idea of some obtainable goal with regards to what they harvest. What are y'all looking for? So we, we, you go first, but we do have three of us. We have a buddy in Idaho that's meeting us that we've also hunted with. So there's three gotcha. just to set the stage. Yeah. Go ahead. You um, tell. I mean, and the, and the X factor in this? No, no X factor. Well, Outdoor. no. The X factor is that, like, I if I only had this tag, then I would say I might want Do to that. look for a branch antlered bull. Do like any branch antlered bull. Cause we're, just people, but Do one tag, 
Okay. I mean, like any brand tailored bull, I'd be happy. But if I'm first shooter and the tag that we have is any bull or cow, I mean, I want to shoot a bull. I want to shoot a branch antlered bull, but he's saying as the group, I wouldn't hold on to my tag and, and make other people wait. Or I, you know, I want to pass it up because I, I want to get the next person up in line. If I can tag right. out, he, now he's asking our drive back. You say literally we couldn't have been more successful. What's your opinion of what uh, that was? What would you paint? I think in my head, realistically, I got an idea. I think two out of three of us tagging on like four points or better would be awesome. I. I'm going to go the same with him. I'm going to say, realistically, before we left, two, to come back and say we couldn't have been more successful, two of our three tags are filled. Whether it's a bull and a cow or two bulls, that, to me, I realistic expectation with the days we have, I think two out of three. That That's bold, too. Yeah. Because you're, you're talking sure. one one successful – because earlier you said it's a one for eight. One success for every eight encounters, that means 16 encounters in, in that period of time. So that's – and and uh, nothing going wrong. That's on bulls. That's on bulls. So if we're adding a cow in, cow plus bull, gotcha. I, I'm saying a cow and a bull, I would leave saying we didn't need three. It wouldn't have felt more successful even though it technically was. I, I think arrows will leave bows at – at two bulls for sure so let's say day one first hunt first morning you have a spike dead dead. (laughs) okay gotcha gotcha okay all right arrow arrow left bow gotcha Gotcha. we left a lot of arrows last year flying into the woods (laughs) what about a cow cow 20 yards broadside first day my head was my mind was after day five with no activity. It was cows coming to play. I'm how saying, I'm saying first. I'm talking like well, actually, first how close, morning. How, how close are we to camp? Yeah. That's for you to decide. However close you're going to be hunting to camp. First morning, first few minutes of shooting light, you have a cow 20 yards broadside, completely oblivious that you're there. If I'm less than two miles from the less truck and I'm a shooter, I'm shooting. <laughs> If we're hiked in like five miles, I'm like, ah, oh, that's a long yeah, way. If we're, ex- if we're excess of two and a half, three, and we've heard a bugle, no. But if it's the lights, like we're walking in the first day is an afternoon, and they're just hurting across us, and we've heard nothing, and we're not fatigued, nothing, we would be able to get that whole thing out that day, burn a half-day hunt, and we'd be back in it with a cow filled, absolutely dead. There might be three arrows leaving buzz. <laughs> <laughs> that's all yeah i'm i'm I, with y'all well, on that well my freezer is empty i brought the last little bit of stuff i had in the cooler here i need some steaks dude yeah so i, I would say to you, like we have to come back with like a branch antler bull to feel like this was a success from the right, experience sure, we sure. but in all reality like it is absolutely not a stretch for us to think there's going to be a cooler with two two forms of elk in it between right, the three of us right right it's right it's not it's not a stretch. Like it would be similar if we're, if we're saying whitetail hunting. We have fourteen days in rut on property we're mildly familiar with to shoot two whitetail that are at least three and a half years old. That's how I would equate that. Actually, maybe four and a half, a little older, but that, that's how we're feeling about it. Even though it's not as easy as that, that's how we're feeling. 
D- Jack, I'm, I'm with you though, dude. My 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 freezer's empty, and, and you can ask Preston. By no means am I a very good trophy hunter. Like if if you put me on a piece of property, like don't shoot anything under 140, and a really tasty doe walks out, there's a good <laughs> there's a good chance I'm going to end up whacking that doe and then apologizing via text and be like, hey. <laughs> my bad <laughs> i just sure like you double one it. there's not enough meat yeah that's true that's true let me uh let, let's wrap this up real quick but to do so actually i've got two questions i got a, i got a follow-up question after this but this is the last topic we're going to discuss uh coming from the east coast there's a lot of guys that are going to be listening to this they're going to be salivating they're going to be thinking god i need to get online create the spreadsheet start picking out these hunts and planning what gear i need to buy what single three pieces of gear do you think are the most underrated uh on the eastern hunters mindset going west um, pro- the one thing i with all the east coast deer hunting that i've done that I would look at in magazines or stores and go, why would I ever need that? Is like a puffy jacket or a vest. I'm like, this makes no sense. Why would you want this? But it's one of the, it's one of the most awesome things out West. Cause you wake up and it's like 25 or 30 and it's just nice and warm when you get out of the sleeping bag. And then it heats up to 70 midday. We never see those kind of temperature swings out back in the East and it's packable and it's light. And it's a, like a must have for me. That's one. Uh, two more. Two more. I can think of a couple we didn't even know existed. Um, you named us uh, your first one. My first one, well, 100,000%. Best freaking socks money can buy, and enough of them I can flop because you never, you could wear no sock deer hunting and you probably really wouldn't care. Absolutely. So, sock, let's say sock and boot. I would literally pay triple what I paid for my boots this year if they work better than last year's. I wouldn't eat any price someone told me if they were like, we'll leave that off your feet for a sock boot combo to take it away. I would have cut a check and went into debt. Like, hands down, that would be my my number one, for sure. Because I don't think you can actually utilize and understand ankle support when you've never walked where you need ankle support. Right. And if your socks are not wicking correctly, like a pure merino wool sock pulling it off your feet into the boot, once they're wet, the skin rips, you're that's it. You're not recovering and you're not stopped. That's it. So like that to me, that would be I bet you, I guarantee you that's a huge problem for people coming west. They have no idea. They're like, oh, this did not to say I'm just saying Danner as an example. They make a great boot, don't get me wrong, but oh, this Danner. And it's a little too stiff, a little bit too high top, and your feet are ruined on day three, and you've got five more. What do you do? You can't. You can't do anything. Was that all three? That's that's two. That's, that's two. Okay. Uh, what we got, gentlemen? What do you think? What's your third? Third? Yeah. Man. Honestly, I don't know because clothing-wise, you could get away with freaking blue jeans in a a wool top shirt like honest to god so clothing wise you just like need to, honey, just need to layer you right can have stuff that makes things more convenient but i would say i don't know i mean I, like trivial stuff there's like little things that i think make it nice like i i say sleeping quarters yeah 
I mean, I just I love taking like a little blow up pillow. I can't I can't sleep on like a oh, that's a good one. Blow up pillow, twenty bucks, best money you ever spent. Sleeping pad, there you go. Yeah, because if you stop sleeping, you stop recovering. You end up in a mess. Your back hurts. Your legs hurt. So sleep pad, sleeping pad, and uh, the first trip. Blow up pillow. Yeah, yeah, the first trip I took to Colorado, I had like a. $18 roll-up foam sleep pad, and I'm like, oh, I'll just roll up my jacket and sleep on that. I was miserable, and I had no problem spending $150 on a good sleeping pad, because it is worth it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, big time, big time. And, like, the little things that we've definitely upgraded are, like, reducing severe weights for, like, single-man bivy instead of a double-man tent, and a little bit higher down sleeping bag. It's synthetic. It's lighter, impactful, stupid stuff like that. But necessity and probably first and foremost, Onyx. I have no idea what we do without that. I ran like, last. No year, I ran last year just a GPS with the Onyx chip, um, but changing platforms from a GPS where you just see Topo to having the downloaded maps and seeing the sat photos, you're like, oh, wait, look, like the pines break here and there's an open meadow. Now they're probably, yeah, they're probably going to be moving in there to feed you. You don't get that from just no, a plain Topo map. Yeah. It was absolutely, absolutely on our hip. And a kid that's all kind of his whole life with us last year was like, I have no clue what I'm doing, not using this. He's like, this is amazing. Cause it was just, everything was answered before we did it from camp the night before completely plotted. So that was four things, but all that's four good. Of those, you don't, you don't need any of those for whitetail at all. I mean, they're, they would help, but it doesn't matter. Like you walk in muck boots up to your knees and whitetail dude to do, you wouldn't make it a half a mile out here. And you would, that's it. You'd have to give up with your, with your feet. So there's four. So, Preston, you have to remain yeah. quiet on this one because you've heard this question at least twice now. Shit. So, Jack, this is directed to you because the listeners have heard <laughs> Preston and, and his uh, lengthy his lengthy elaborations on this one. Okay. You, you ready? I, can, I get amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Specifically regarding elk hunting, what, oh. what <laughs> singular piece of advice would you go back and give your youngest self – to have helped shorten the learning curve and made yourself a more successful elk hunter today? <laughs> you know, I kind of thought about this before. If I, and nobody, I, I nobody's going to want to take this advice. If you want to get ahead of the game and you're an East Coast hunter traveling west like we do, you find a good group of friends or kind of work your way into a circle and say look i don't even want to tag the first year i will just go with you like if you find somebody who puts elk down like just watch just just, just just go with them just help pack just be in camp watch how they call watch how they stalk watch how they watch the wind you will be ahead of the game rather than be like i'm, I'm gonna go out and go hunting on my own like the learning curve, it will take you, you'll do two more trips before you could be where you were at after that first one. And you're saving $700 on an elk tag. And you're still part of the hunt. And by that, he means bring a camera, no tag, no bow, yeah. and leg it out. And then go, I have less gear, less weight, I'm going to learn it. I 1,000% agree with that because... And then by doing that, that group that you're with, they're like, this guy's awesome. He was willing to work and hang out with us. He packed that elk. 
we got to invite him back in the future. And then, and then you're in with a group, you know, as long as you get along with them yep. that already has that knowledge base. That is money. And the cool thing about that is that's exactly what I'm doing, uh, with my uncle and, and his buddies. So, uh, this should this should play out well. I'm I'm jacked to hear that he actually just talked me off the ledge of, uh, say I'm gonna I'm gonna try and save up for an elk tag because according to him we're only gonna be about a half hour from a place where we can buy one, um, but I'm gonna take my bow but I'm gonna just pretty much just leave it in the case in the truck and we're gonna I'm gonna go back in there and if I can make it and they tag out then fine I go back and, and we get a tag otherwise I'm just there to absorb. Yeah, that that's hundred percent awesome idea. So. Well, cool, guys. I think we've covered everything we wanted to hit on this episode. Um, uh, I know y'all are eager to get back on. I'm just kidding. You're, you're still on the road. You're going to be on the road for days. How long's the drive? Oh, well, we got. We have. Just checking the map now. 970 miles left right now. And we started driving. It's noon. We started driving at 730 yesterday. Sweet. <laughs> 2,000. 2,100 miles. So, so next, uh, not, yeah, probably next year or the year thereafter, I'm just going to meet y'all and y'all can just pick me up in Idaho. 100%. <laughs> yeah, we actually have been juggling around what states are what coming up because we, on the way here, our rotation, Idaho doesn't flop in real well right. the next couple of years. And we were like, if this hunt goes according, how do we not come? And Jack kind of shrugged his shoulders and was like, yeah, I want to talk about it. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah I agree. <laughs> well, hang on. Just a fun hang on just a second. I'm going to wrap this up, and then I want to talk to you all afterwards. Guys, stay tuned. Part two of this is coming at you really quick. Uh, we're going to try and get these cranked out as, as quickly as possible. As soon as they call, I'm going to edit and drop it, so you're going to have like a semi-live hunt occurring. Uh, I think you're going to enjoy it. I think you're going to love it. Um, I hope it's the first of its kind. If it's not, oh well, just pretend like it's your first time and it's all good. Until next time, y'all get outside and go have a blast. created by man don't miss wild country wednesdays from 7 to 11 p.m eastern presented by primos speak the language waypoint tv the destination for outdoor entertainment i'm will cooper and you're listening to hunt stands make your mark podcast on the waypoint podcast network stick around as i bring you more stories and interviews from veteran hunters and industry professionals who inspire us all to be better equipped in the woods and in life